You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast, episode number 38, December 29th, 2020. This show is produced in partnership with Hospitality Technology and Restaurant Technology Network. Smarter hotels, smarter restaurants. Offering a strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with the tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Hello, everybody. It is the Tech Chef Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me, your host, Skip Kimple, for this very special end-of-year podcast. Yep, just like everybody out there that does podcasts, this episode is going to be a highlight reel of shows and content from 2020. Keep in mind, this show only started back in early June, and since then, we have thousands and thousands of listeners from around the world. It is because of you spreading the word to the community at large that helped make this show a success. Now, don't forget to leave this show a good rating. And also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single one of these restaurant, hotel, and hospitality technology podcasts. Looking back, what a year. Oh my gosh, in my Thanksgiving episode, I was talking all about the things I have been thankful for, including this show. It has allowed me to keep my finger on the pulse of the restaurant and hospitality technology initiatives out there, as well as maintaining relationships with my valued vendors. I have to tell you, it was very difficult to look back at my shows this year and pull out a select number of segments as there was so much good content and material. My final decision was based upon the popularity of the show, along with the number of downloads and the amount of user feedback I got from all of you. As we look back, June 9th, the show was born with the talk about the resurgence of QR codes. What are they? The technology behind them and how they were being utilized in the COVID world. Six months later, I only continue to see this trend grow as it has been widely accepted by the public. It really was one of the first episodes where I talked about the contactless payment and contactless dining experience. And obviously, that sparked an idea to do a whole mini-series on this topic, bringing on a slew of guests that specialized in this side of the industry. One of the guests during the series was Ram Krupp. In episode number 10, we talked about how his company, OneDine, was really making a difference within our industry with their solution. At the time, there was so much press around that company as he was able to rapidly deploy his solution and was proving to be very effective. He is such an interesting individual, and the fact that he is a well-known entrepreneur, I asked him if he had any advice for others looking to create a new product or a new service during this challenging but opportunistic time. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, so market fit. You know, any every time there's a crisis or, or a life event like this, there's opportunities for market fit products or market fit services. Sometimes the best ideas are kept sometimes for the right timing. For some respect, people ask me, why didn't you do one dine in 2012, 2013? 
because you always thought about doing this technology and why didn't you actually do this? And my answer all was timing. Consumers weren't ready. Restaurants weren't ready. Technology wasn't ready. We could have built it and probably burn all the cash we, that was given to us to try to penetrate a 2%, 3% adoption and then pave the road into everybody else copying it when the timing is right. So when you look at conditions like right now, what is temporary, where I wouldn't try to build a business around a temporary solution, and what is permanent? What are the permanent services and you know, either technology, products, or services that will be needed for your industry, be the restaurant industry in our case, on a permanent base? And you can start building businesses like sanitation. It doesn't take hard, uh, a lot of work to learn how to be a specialist in this. It doesn't take a lot of investment in equipment. But a sanitation routine for every restaurant is going to be in the foreseeable future as a more standard daily occurrence, not what used to be once a month we have a company steaming our kitchens. So, you know, there's so many opportunities to get into business. It's it's kind of like the, the old exterminator business or carpet cleaner business where everybody could just go buy a machine and they're in business. I think there's a lot of businesses like that that are going to be born from a pandemic like this. And I think if you're an entrepreneur with a low budget but desire to create your own income, create your own future, what is now being created that will stay that you can invest in time and effort and maybe very little money to provide services on an ongoing basis for any industry? In our case, you know, I, if I wasn't in technology, I would start looking at things like that. Like, like how do you create cleaning services that specialize in you know, disinfecting restaurants because there are companies doing it, but they can't get to everybody. It's what I say about OneDine. There are companies that are, are doing some of what we do, all of what we do, part of what we do. I don't know. Quite honestly, you know, the marketing message is lost sometimes in the execution. So you never know what people really offer sometimes. But let's assume there's 100 companies like us today. We can't all combine reach every restaurant in the country that needs us right now. So there's plenty of space for competitive products. There's plenty of space for more new competitors, for more new solution providers. I encourage it because the more restaurants, the more companies participate in a new innovation, even though it's from competitive set, the more consumers will adopt and expect the long-term, you know, we all benefit from that. So as, a, as somebody who wants to be an entrepreneurial, look at this right now and, and think about, what is here to stay? Where can I invest my time and effort to start being on the ground level of providing long-term solutions? There were many organizations fighting for our industry out there during COVID, the National Restaurant Association and your state restaurant associations as well. Close and dear to me, for obvious reasons, is the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association, otherwise known as the FRLA. During episode 19, when asked about the FRLA and what they were doing for its members during COVID, Carol Dover, the CEO and president, had this to say. Well, you know, it's, it's not something that just magically happens. You know, relationships are built. They're not given to you or handed to you in a box at Christmas. And so I have spent my career building relationships. And they're so important in the capital to be effective for whomever your client might be. It's about building solid relationships where the elected officials that, that truly hold your livelihood in their hands have a trust 
um, in you and I, the ability to know that when you come to them to discuss an issue that I tell, I try to tell both sides, but all that to say, um, in building relationships, as we have with Governor Ron DeSantis, you know, he was in Congress before he came to the governor's office and then prior to him with Governor Rick Scott. Um, I've just been very fortunate to have good relationships. So I do talk to the governor and the governor's office on a regular basis. They have been very helpful through this process. They've reached out to us and our organization numerous times to help navigate through COVID. And, you know, if we were to do this, how would that impact your members? And, you know, if that doesn't work, what would be a better way? And um, so I, I am incredibly grateful to our governor and his staff, his team, and Halsey Bashir's our secretary, because but for those great relationships, we would not be able to deliver the successes for our membership that we have been able to do. Obviously, our podcast didn't concentrate just on COVID. This is a technology show, and that's where the main focus remained and still does to this day. If you look at the businesses that really thrived and not just survived during the past nine months, it was the businesses that were set up for drive throughs that really made a difference. Phil Crawford, CTO for CKE Restaurants, jumped on episode 35 with me, and he shared some of the elements that are part of a successful drive through and curbside operation. One of the questions that I had that many listeners asked me about is, how do you measure success and what KPIs do you put in place to monitor progress? Sure, I think it's a couple of different mechanisms. I think first and foremost, you hit it on the, you hit it on the nose. It's the marketing engines that allow for consumer feedback, both positive and negative. You need to make it as frictionless as possible, whether it be on the back of the receipt or through a digital mechanism, whether it be through an app or a text or some way they can actually give you feedback in a real-time fashion so you can action on it. I think that's a good KPI. That gives you a benchmark. I think there's also systems in place that actually tell you, you know, simple clock counters that tell you how long people are sitting at windows or if they're being redirected to stalls and food's coming out after the fact. Additionally, there's actual internal KPIs of how long it takes for cook times for products, what are make times for drinks. And then even more importantly, which I think a lot of people really overlook, which is really kind of outside the technology play, is the packaging. How well is food going to carry? How long is food going to hold? Right? How long is food going to just travel in a car? doesn't spill over and get you wet. <laughs> I mean, there's all these different facets. And, you know, the KPI as well is also when you do private shoppers or you do secret shoppers, really is this feedback, but not only on the consumer side, but also your employees, I think is a big KPI factor as well. Are they smiling? Are they having a good time? We all love Chick-fil-A. We think Chick-fil-A does an amazing job from the experience factor. And their KPIs are, you know, best in class because they look at not just the drive through but they look at the experience from the consumer standpoint and the employee standpoint, all different KPI metrics throughout the organization and the business. Now, we certainly couldn't complete a talk about drive throughs especially on the innovation side, unless we talk to White Castle. Their drive through technology, specifically the work done and in progress around the menu board, is nothing more than amazing and spectacular. 
I love their use of AI around the entire conversation and the ability to recognize a guest and pay with a predefined payment method. In episode number 15, Carol Susan Bozer and Mike Guinan talked about their new announcement. Yeah, I'm you know very excited about it, and you know, you know, in, in some ways, we, you know, our partner um, Mastercard and um, Soundhound um, are partners of ours. We and we have various um, various partners, Verifone, but we have been working on um, doing national language processing in the drive-through, so that you can pull up and see a dynamic menu board that obviously changes based on you know, all the, all the attributes that you'd want it to at least partially dynamic a menu board. Um, but, but really respond to the customer, listen to the customer, take the order for the customer. And it's, you're right. It's been a long project. We were also lucky to have uh, MasterCard is a wonderful partner. They had in the middle of the COVID stuff started, they were worried that we weren't going to be able to continue on. And they did a lot to really help us um, continue. And I want to give them credit for that at this moment, but go back to the technology part the other part of the technology that is is the reason why we're doing it is basket analysis in real time so that we can actually make good suggestions to our customers based on um, what we show them on the screen, based on what they just ordered. And then if they're a known customer, someone who's opted into our program, we're going to actually allow them to order, see what they've ordered the last couple times, you know, use, show that on the screen, let them pick that out. And um, there's so many different things that we're doing. And then the last part, because it is MasterCard's one of our partners, is at the end of the transaction, we'll say, would you like to pay with the card we have on file? If they say yes, then they're done. So it's going to be, I don't know, It's, it's don't you agree, Michael? It's, it's, gonna, it's a lot of moving parts. It's been a long project. It's got a ways to go, but it's really, it's exciting. And we are announcing it probably the week this podcast comes out. Yeah, this is, this is an extremely exciting project. Um, the task that it's going to go to the team members are very excited to have the support of the technology in the drive-through, and at Susan's point, to to really be able to focus on uh, basket size and a complete order and provide suggestions and 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 really get the order accuracy down pat is going to be is going to be huge for us. We're excited about it. Speaking of innovation, one of the most listened to episodes, episode number twelve was Charlie Gazetta, president of BurgerFi. At the time, they were hot in the news with their new investors and the talk of them going public. As the president of the company, I was very impressed with Charlie's knowledge of their existing and future IT roadmap. In modern business and today, regardless of what industry you're in, the the need to build on your technology and invest in technology is so substantially important to really be successful today. And, and it's the same for the restaurant industry. It's the same for the franchise industry. And, and BurgerFi, of course, fits in, in both of those categories. And therefore, the need for technology is, is extreme. We were fortunate enough that, that the ownership of our company really gave us the runway that we needed to build the infrastructure of this business to get us to the point where we are today and where we're going to be in the very near future. And as part of that infrastructure building, we really wanted to invest heavily on the technology side. 
We knew we had a phenomenal product. We knew we had great brand partners in terms of our internal partners, our external vendors, the suppliers and purveyors. We knew we have tremendous uh, franchisees and, and entrepreneurs um, focusing on our brand and being able to spread our brand to all different parts of, of, of the world and of the nation. And what we needed was the efficiency and the productivity that we could gain from a technology integration. And so probably about five years ago, we really started heavily investing in technology. And and it wasn't always perfect. And certainly we made some mistakes along the way. And and many of of your listeners may have been in the same boat or, or may one day be in that same boat. It's very easy sometimes to just grab the new shiny tech toy that's on the shelf and and want to run with it right but that could also be very very dangerous you could end up spending an enormous amount of resources and not just capital but time and and energy and, and and company human capital on new technology software programs and infrastructure when you bring them into a company and if you grab too many then you don't focus on the on all the pieces at play and you ultimately having kind of a, a mishmash of, of technology integrations that that don't speak to each other, that don't properly integrate and and you waste a lot of time, money and energy. And, uh, you know, we, we made some mistakes along the way, but fortunately, we did it early on with a lot of our company units and, and restaurant support center here in, in Palm Beach, Florida. So we were able to get them out of the way, flush it out. And now we were able to learn from some of those early mistakes. And I think today we have a fantastic uh, technology infrastructure in place at BurgerFi, both from the restaurant level, from the franchisor level, from the entire business, and then from, from a franchisee support side. And, and some of those technology integrations include a online cloud-based project management dashboard system. That's really what we consider the heartbeat of our business. We have a store board, a store dashboard for every single one of our burger five restaurants that have access uh, from the, the general managers, from the franchisees, from the regional managers team, the training team, the technology teams to be able to, to integrate and collaborate and communicate on those cloud-based boards. And, and the best part of, of the software that we use is that it's, it's mobily integrated such that you receive a, a text message or a notification or, or a little ding on your phone as soon as something is uploaded or added or a comment trail, uh, comes your way and, and, and it creates for, for real time data feed and communication at the store level. So that, that's an important, important piece of our business. And then, we also most recently added a system called Ubic, Y-O-O-B-I-C. And I highly recommend that, that you and your listeners look into Ubic if you're not already familiar with it. But it's, a, it's an LMS, a learning management system. And we use this predominantly for our training, but we also use it for our communication and our rollout. So as an example of that, 
the Ubic platform is 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 the skeleton, and then and then we um, we dressed it up with the Burger Fi branding and, and and designed it in the way that we like, and we call it Fido F I D O, which stands for Burger Fi Development Online, and we even have a little character mascot associated with the Fido platform, and 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 this tool allows us to have our 3,000 BurgerFi family members and team members that are all over the country be able to receive real-time updates, alerts, uh, newsletters, product rollouts, important operational concerns, even crisis management when it happens, in real-time data to be able to ping directly to uh, the recipient, being that of a text message or a notification or an email or a combination of all the above. So this tool is hugely important. It's a major resource of BurgerFi, and I think we found out how important it truly is during COVID-19. COVID-19 stressed the entire world in a way that nobody was ready for. And, and the restaurant business was, was certainly not immune to that. The restaurant business took a, a huge hit. And the ability during that time, from BurgerFi's standpoint, to be able to communicate with our system, any of our stakeholders, that being franchise partners, vendors, suppliers, uh, our, our general managers, our team members in the BurgerFi extended family, we were able to utilize this Ubic software in a way that we had never utilized it before. And, and I'll tell you what, it was an amazing lifesaver. So just hearing you, I, I could literally have, uh, when we started this off, just say, Charlie, you got 30 minutes and go. And I wouldn't have to talk the rest of the time because you have so much to tell about uh, BurgerFi and especially the technology behind it. And you're you're very passionate about it, and that definitely comes through. Now, and I've over the past few months, I've said the, the brands that have continued to invest in technology during these tough times, and specifically those that had off-premise strategies in place and had their IT buttoned up before COVID hit, those are not only going to be the survivors, those are going to be the people that grow during this time period. And from the sounds of it, you pretty much had all of this buttoned up uh, prior to COVID hitting. Have you made any additional changes to customer-facing technology, for instance, during COVID-19? So we haven't made any significant changes to technology during COVID. We're just utilizing them in a different way. So you're exactly right, Skip. We were fortunate that we did have the technology infrastructure in place. And and when COVID hit and rocked the world in, in a way that was completely unprecedented, we were able to utilize that technology infrastructure that we had in place and that we've invested all this time, money, and energy into in, in a whole new way to run our business. And, and one example of that is Olo. Olo is, is well regarded as, as one of the best online ordering platform services in, in certainly in our industry. And we signed on with Olo back in 2014. They were still relatively new to the space in, in 2014. They were just starting to get the mainstream recognition that they certainly have now and have earned now. And, and we were proud to have started started with Olo back in, in 2014. But up until that point, we weren't fully utilizing the entire capabilities and the entire program and software suite that Olo has to offer. 
And I think COVID allowed us to really tap into our, our technology partner that we have with Olo in a completely new way. And, and one of those examples is a, a software system that Olo offers called Rails. And the Rails platform allows third-party delivery companies such as DoorDash or Postmates to directly integrate into the store's POS. There's, there's a, a kind of a, a funny phrase that, that the industry has and has had for the last year and a half or so when it comes to all the tablets in, in the restaurant, right? They call it tablet hell because they have like 12 tablets right there at the counter next to the, the POS register, ne- next to the cash register, next to whatever else you have up there at the counter. And the ability to manage that is almost impossible. Forget how it looks with wires all over the place and different blinking lights and sounds and, and ringtones, but it, it's almost impossible to manage. And it's very overwhelming for the team members that are having to answer uh, delivery orders from a tablet to then turn around and input them in into the POS register so that it goes back to the kitchen on the KDS screen while also answering the phone, while also answering the, the guests that might be standing up there at the counter ready to place their order live in person, while also receiving the next delivery order that came in from the other uh, delivery provider. It's, it's, it's very inefficient, it's very overwhelming, and it's almost impossible to manage. Olo offers this Rails platform that seamlessly integrates the third-party delivery platforms directly into our POS and from the POS to the kitchen and the kitchen to the guests. And that's what's most important. And we were able to to really utilize the heck out of it during COVID-19, and we're still utilizing it today. Because even though COVID has, has started to slow, although it seems like we're the next hotspot down here in South Florida, people are still opting into taking their food to go. People still feel more comfortable in a lot of cases to dine and experience the food that they love and enjoy in, in an off-premise session. And and this Rails platform and other technology integrations that we have on the third-party delivery side have really been able to, to add that layer of convenience both to our guests as well as to our team members. Well, I think you hit on probably one of the biggest points. And the biggest takeaway I think we could give to the listeners right here, right now, is the fact that if you're looking at something that is not integrated with your POS, stop looking at it. Find a solution that integrates because third-party tablet integration, for instance, removes the amount of errors that a a team member has when they're entering into a POS and the whole distraction piece. And it it also automatically accepts the orders. So you don't have lost orders through that mechanism. So yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right. And, and the problem is, and that many, many of the, the software salespeople will always tell you that their program integrates seamlessly with your POS and then you go to do it and, and you find out that that's not always the case. Right. Um, so, so we have a term, we like to say that we battle test it before we deploy it out to our franchisees. We don't want our franchisees to have to deal with, with programs or softwares or solutions that are, that are not fully flushed out and that will cause um, you know, operational headaches or, or inefficiencies and, and God forbid cost any money 
to the franchisees. If we're going to find out the hardships and work through it, that's on our dime as the franchisor. So we like to say any new program, software, piece of technology, we battle test it in one of our or multiple of our uh, corporate BurgerFi restaurants. BurgerFi is such a strong, energetic, iconic brand. It reminds me of talking with Jim Knight about how a strong brand and culture is so important on many different levels. If you don't know Jim Knight, you need to. Many of us have had the pleasure of him speak at our conferences. Episode number 26 was really a lot of fun as Jim and I talked about almost everything, but this piece really struck home and to the message of brand and culture. Oh, and by the way, I'll additionally share his thought that rocks. Well, and a lot of your culinary friends that might be listening and anybody that's a chef, I mean, there are people that will still err in favor of the product. And I think it was like that for many, many years. In fact, you know, for me to sort of try and explain to a CEO why we ought to do things in my previous life and my companies, because it was the right thing to do and it would be cool. You know, that that's sort of the mindset of culture. And unfortunately, you can't, you know, you couldn't throw down the culture card back then and be taken seriously if it wasn't tied to the strategic plan. It wasn't something that could be easily operationally executed. Well, now there's way too many awesome examples of companies like Four Rivers and Chick-fil-A and First Watch, at least in this industry, that you can point to and say it's because of their culture that they're getting their results. Oh, by the way, they are an awesome environment. They are clean. Their people are cool. The product is fantastic. But I think it's the totality of all of that stuff where they've created this culture that, in fact, it's it's attracting not just customers, but it's attracting new leaders and, and new potential employees as well. So I think people do get attracted to culture first and foremost these days. Rock. Um, you know, I have always stuck by out of anything that I could talk about, there's a few isms that I might say on stage, but my favorite is probably, I do believe that a single person with a great idea can start a revolution. Ooh, and I use this yeah. a little bit in my book. I use it in, you know, on stage in trying to get people to think differently. Let's say I am a middle manager in any industry, in any business. I don't have any direct reports. Um, I don't really have any say so. I'm working on whatever, making widgets, but I have enough responsibilities that I'm called a manager or supervisor. Can I actually make any difference in the culture? That I hear that quite a bit. It's one of my number one questions that I might even get after I speak, right after what kind of hair care products do you use? You know, and I'll um I'll I'll sort of throw this line out to them and say it absolutely does apply to you. I think anybody whether it's upward delegation or inviting yourself to the party or bringing great ideas to whatever forum, whatever discussion platform exists, if you've got a great idea and you have any type of passion and commitment, you can probably influence a lot of people to go and do something that would be revolutionary. And I think that's that's how countries were overthrown. That's how philanthropic movements are started. And absolutely, that could be an inflection point in how you can rock out a, a culture, maybe even one that's been around for three, four, five decades. So a single person, a great idea, they can start a revolution. These past nine months really gave me the opportunity to stay in the game and continue learning about vendors and services. 
I saw food lockers trending prior to COVID, so I brought on two of the biggest players in that space. The biggest name was Apex, and the CEO came on to talk about their system, but most importantly, he came on to talk about the business of food lockers. Mike Wills explained something in particular, dwell time, and had some awesome insight around this. Dwell time as a function, and it's one of the process uh, questions that we map out with a prospect and a, uh, a practicing client. You know, we, we're a data-driven and a metrics and KPI-driven organization. So uh, we have dashboards that measure and monitor the health, productivity, uh, capacity availability of our of our solutions um, throughout the entire operating calendar and day and and shift time of of a of a brand and dwell time is a critical measure to us. Dwell time by measure is the time in which the food order is complete and loaded into our solution. At that point in time, when your store associate team member presses the prompt on the back of the user interface on the back of our device, which is a touchscreen display, and they press complete order. And at that point in time, the clock starts on dwell time skip. At that same time, a message is now sent to either the DSP driver or the end user themselves that their order has been delivered and is ready for pick uh, for pickup at the location where they ordered it and embedded in that, they have uh, a unique and very specific pickup code that is unique to just their order. That dwell time starts at that point in time that I just described when the store associate loads and completes the order. And the other end of it is when either the driver or the end user enters their code or scans their code and that signifies, okay, the correct individual, remember back to our mantra, the right things to the right people at the right place and time, this correct or right customer is now in the store to pick up their order. They scan that code, the door pops open automatically, and dwell time ends right there. Dwell time is a function that serves a lot of important data feeds, Skip. It tells an operator, um, how long my orders are waiting inside uh, the compartments for a pickup. And it might uh, allow me to deal with time of day, um, the type of orders, the size of orders, et cetera. I might have to deal with some packaging items because the dwell times um, might be a little longer than what I'd like for certain orders. Uh, back to our earlier conversation. They also help in terms of uh, scheduling and balancing orders that are still upstream yet. So I'm constantly managing my availability and I don't wanna fill up my lobby with a bunch of people who uh, are anticipating you know, my order being done before it is. So dwell time, we've seen dwell times in uh, arena settings and in some university settings skip as low as three to four minutes. We've seen other dwell times um, as uh, averaging anywhere from eight to 10 minutes. That's typically the, the mean average that we see. 
um, from the time that a customer gets their code to the time that they actually scan and, and retrieve the order. Um, dwell time is a really critically important thing for brands to, to manage and to watch because it traces right back to capacity availability of the system itself and it traces back to food quality and how to manage that, different ways to manage that with packaging. Now, right in the middle of COVID, I decided a food safety mini-series was a perfect subject and had quite a variety of guests on the show, including a video company called DTIQ. Besides loss prevention, POS integration, etc., they have a whole division of video analytics that are very, very impressive. Episode number 18 is one you might want to go back and listen to to learn more. This show is packed with great information and will give you some good inspiration to up your game on your store video system. We have a, a team of business analysts um, who, who will absolutely perform audits in line with uh, the objective of, of the, the retail uh, organization themselves. Um, so again, more in line to things that we're looking at today through the use of your existing cameras, right? Um, we have a team that's going to sit behind computer screens. They're not only going to just look at uh, transactions that are coming through POS uh, to identify the integrity behind such, uh, but they're also, again, going to look at other areas related to safety, cleanliness, uh, customer service, uh, speed of service, cash handling, so on and so forth. So um, ideally what these individuals do is they, they develop a template um, with questions. Uh, give you an example, you know, something along the lines of uh, cleanliness. We might ask, you know, did the dining room appear to be clean and well-maintained? No, hand, no handwritten signs, no debris on, on the floor, uh, counters, and self-serve, self-serve clean area, areas and stock. Our analysts will sit behind a computer screen, dive into your actual location, and then start reviewing footage in between, let's say, about an hour, an hour's with about 90 minutes worth of time. And in such, they're looking for nuances that they can call out and report back to the operator as possible um, issues that they should take, take a look into a little bit further. Conversely, we're not just kind of digging into all of the quote-unquote problems that might be occurring at, within a restaurant or a retail environment, um, but we're also, you know, um, coaching, also finding opportunities to advance uh, the right behaviors and ultimately recognize and reward um, employees that are doing the right things. Um, so it's not just a, an instance of us um, running video audits on your, across your store's locations, calling out all of the, the, the quote-unquote bad things that are happening, but also pointing out some of the good areas to really reinforce those behaviors back to your employees. Closing out the five-part series on food safety, I had the honor of bringing on Celebrity Chef Robert Irvine, to talk about how he is helping the industry. I have to tell you, it was such an honor to have him on the show. I could have talked to him all day long. He is such a bundle of energy doing so many things at once that it makes my head spin. One of the questions I asked him was how flabbergasted I was that restaurants that were on on his show, Restaurant Impossible, they really had no idea of how to run a restaurant, including key KPIs that let a business know if they're profitable or not. Well, here's the thing. You know, I, I have to tell you this, Chip. It, it's not only restaurants, and it's not mom and pops either. 
it's major Fortune 500 companies. And you'll be shocked to hear that. But it's the truth. I deal with companies across the board that can't answer those questions, whether you know whether you have a, a 25-seat restaurant or diner or a $350 you know, million dollar company or almost a billion dollars. So it, it, it scales up no matter where you are. The businesses have the same issues. And it normally is as you grow your business, you know, you forget the simple things like money and tracking and supplies and, and inventories and, and all those kind of things because we're so busy trying to think of, of other things. And that's not just restaurants. But, yeah, the majority of businesses, and we've done 230-something restaurants um, of Restaurant Impossible and then another oof, revisits and, and uh, back to business, probably another 40 or 50. Um, and it's amazing. The biggest debt I've had in a restaurant impossible is $1.1 million in a little place called Off Street Cafe in California in a mall or a kind of a, an open mall, if it were. You know, you could drive up to it, but in, in, a, in a mall. And now they do $3.4 million a year up, up until pre-COVID, um, having paid off that $1.1 million in eight years. So obviously education and, and what we do works if you listen. And you've got to be able to listen and be able to change your thought process. If you can't, you'll go out of business really quick, no matter what type of business you're in. We continue to talk about how technology is so critical to restaurant operations and what a difference it can make if they embrace it. Well, it's funny because a lot of people are fighting technology. You know this yourself. Um, Mom and pop restaurants feel, um, and I'm using a broad line um, description here, but feel that they don't need technology because you know, they've done it this way for years and, you know, my dad and his dad and, and so on and so on. Uh, and what COVID-19 has done has really brought technology to the forefront, whether we like it or not. You know, um, cashless systems, um, because we don't want to touch credit cards or, or we uh, the, the texting, you know, you can phone in your order or you can email your order. And then when you get here, text this number and uh, we'll tell you when you can either come in, pick it up, or we'll bring it to your curbside, and so on and so on. You know, and, and there are so many inventory control systems now. So I think it was forced upon people that didn't really want to use it simply because they were scared or they thought that technology was going to break their bank. Now look at how many restaurants and businesses in general have had to pivot and use technology to stay alive. And I would say 97.8, of technology uh, of companies have had to bring in technology to survive. Well, regarding food safety, he talked about a software product he teamed up with some veterans to solve for simple safety issues that are so important all the time, but even more so during COVID. If you want to listen to the entire episode, go over to episode 21 for the full interview. The clip I would like to end with is when I asked him about the advice he had for restaurants that were struggling and trying to determine if they should stay in business or throw in the towel during these struggles. I, I would honestly say this. Number one, 
if you really wholeheartedly want to fight for your business, and some people don't, but if you want to fight for it, the number one thing you have to do is talk to your lender, your mortgage broker, whoever it is that, that owns the building, to take the months of rent that you owe and tack it onto the back end uh, of your uh, your your mortgage or, or your rental period. Um, pivot. I don't care what you've got. Take as much as you can from a credit card and pivot and listen to your guests. Listen to what they're asking for. Um, if you used to make pizza before and they want roast chicken, then give them roast chicken. Whatever it takes to keep the doors open to get through the next couple of months, because I truly believe that it will get better and we will get assistance from the government at some point. You just got to hang on and keep fighting. We just need to stick together and work hard. And one thing that the show is doing, Restaurant Impossible, um, is showing you the steps to take to be successful. No matter what it takes, do it. Today was fun and a time of reflection for 2020. I really hope you enjoyed that. 2021 is a clean slate. We currently know the challenges that we're going to face early on, and it is up to us to make a difference and potentially change our attitude toward what success looks like. Many of us are battle-worn in the wake of COVID, but we can't let that bring us down. We must continue to fight, and 2021 is showing many signs of hope for recovery. Don't ever let anything else fill your mind, especially negative thoughts. A very special thank you to all of the guests that came on the show this year. And I want to especially thank our episode sponsors, as well as the Hospitality Technology and Restaurant Technology Network for their partnership in 2020. And I look forward to building great content with them in 2021. Please have a very safe and healthy new year. And I wish that not only to you, but also to your friends and families that support you. We are not just an industry at need or even a country at need. We are a world in need, and that is our common thread, humanity. I am really looking forward to talking to you on the other side. And until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. (laughs) 